Hello and welcome to a special edition of the Game Podcast from The Times. I'm Natalie Sawyer. The biggest World Cup in the history of women's football is well underway, with the action in France already having a significant impact back in the UK. And today I'm joined in the studio by two people who have been integral to the development of the women's game in this country. Former England captain with 90 caps for her country, it is Faye White. Hello, Faye. Hello. And the FA Director for the Women's Professional Game, welcome Kelly Simmons. Hi, Kelly. And you've been in that role for, for less than a year now, Kelly, but there have been some significant strides taken during your tenure so far. We're pleased with how things are going. Uh, it's the first year, we've just completed the first year for fully professional Women's Super League. Uh, we've got a major sponsor in Barclays on board as title sponsor for next year. That's a big step forward. We think that that is a record deal in terms of brands' investment in women's sport uh, in the UK. And, you know, they've got great credibility, a great track record of helping and develop the Men's Premier League and promote the Men's Premier League. And obviously that them coming over to help support and promote the Women's Super League uh, and help us in our ambitions to get you know bigger audiences, bigger attendances and, and get people behind the game is a fantastic step forward. We'll talk more about that a little bit later. We're also uh, going to discuss the future of the women's game going forward as a whole, but we've got to start with the Lionesses with that World Cup underway. They were victorious against Scotland on Sunday by two goals to one. Faye, Phil Neville uh, wasn't exactly satisfied with his team's performance. Um, no, and rightly so. I think uh, second half, uh, the team did step off the gas and and get a bit, a little bit tired towards the end. I mean, I was out in Nice, so I didn't know it was quite warm, but so it, it was the same conditions for Scotland. And if anything, they looked fitter and stronger towards the end. Obviously, they had something to try and get themselves back into the game. That's just the standards that we expect now from the England team. And certainly he will want to implement is to say you have to keep going for 90 minutes because we're the kind of gap between the top teams, the higher ranked teams and the lower ranked teams is getting smaller all the, all the time. So he's thinking probably ahead into the Argentina game as well um, on Friday. So he's thinking about we need to keep the momentum. You need to get the goals, you know, when you get them. And I think we were in control. And if anything, it could have been three or four. And we had the ball in the back of the net twice and slightly ruled off uh, offside. So those are the little margins, just the timing of the run. But the movement and getting into those positions was there. So I thought that was really quite positive but a little bit concerned towards the end of the the second half when you know our wide players got a little bit tired but equally again looking from the other side from a manager's side they're they're young players who it's their first experience in the world cup so um and they had a lot of running in the first half Nikita and Beth Mead particularly were very influential on both flanks so um but generally I think it's the first game and you know you want to get it won so uh, they did well and it was a rivalry that you know you probably wouldn't really want in a world cup against all folks Scotland so to get the win considering how many players we know and how many players play in the WSL was really really positive I thought. Over six million watched the game on BBC One making it the UK's most watched game of women's football ever which is simply great. What does that figure say to you Kelly? It says there's an audience for women's football a big appetite for it that high quality football well promoted put on television people want to watch it and I think You know, experience tells us that if England progress through the tournament, those numbers will only go up. So uh, fantastic numbers for the opening game. Half a million also watched online, so 6.6 million. It's incredible. Um, But there's no reason why, um, as we progress, more and more people won't get behind the Lionesses and follow them. So so fantastic start. Yeah, absolutely fantastic start. Nikita Paris, she was on the score sheet. Uh, She's just secured a move to Lyon in France. Do you think she has the ability to go on to be a a superstar in football? 
Yes, without question. You know, it's great now to see our young English players being put up in the lights of some of the best in the world. Obviously, Lucy Bronze has already made that move over to Leon, and I think that will help Nikita because obviously she'll have that understanding, have that familiarity. I think she can have a, a great World Cup if she gets a lot of confidence from from Phil and the and the team. So, and the good thing was that she wanted to step up and take that penalty too on, on against Scotland. Um, she is twenty five, so she's in her peak really. And just I have a little concern. Obviously, I know the players at um, Leon who she's gonna have to keep out the team almost. So, um, obviously, young Cascarino, French player, who's uh, looked very good in their French opening game, and uh, Van der Sanden, who's being her for the Dutch. So, but then she's also going to be training week in week out with some of the best players in the world so um, it's a great opportunity for her and one I you can't blame any young player wanting to go and have it um, obviously we don't want to lose all our young players over to another league and we had the similar thing when America was getting a lot of our young players or our better players to go out there but um, they quickly come back because of the great work that is happening in the WSL and the growth of it and the strength of it now but um, yeah, no, I think it's it's real positive that our English players are now being seen on that on that level, really, because obviously when Kelly Smith was in the team, it was really pretty much just Kelly as the leading light that was sh- kind of showing that on the world stage, um, really, as far as possibly being able to move to the bigger team. So, yeah, it's really encouraging and wish her all the best. Yeah, obviously we want to promote the WSL, we want to see it flourish, but... It's also good to see English footballers moving abroad, Kelly, and, and showing what they can do. Yes, absolutely. I think um, it's an opportunity for her to go uh, and play with Lucy. And I think, you know, they showed, particularly in the first half in the game against Scotland, some fantastic combination play. They link up so well. So it's an opportunity for her to, uh, to take that into club level and, uh, you know, and compete for the Champions League. But, you know, increasingly players uh, over the last few years have stayed here to play. Um, and that's because I think the Women's Super League is so competitive and it's so strong and the clubs are investing on and off the pitch to make it such a great league. And now we're seeing a number of players, top, top players from abroad coming over and helping make it really, really tough so that our English players who are playing in the league get really, really tested um, and tough matches you know, every week. But yeah, great opportunity for uh, Nikita to go to go abroad and, and you know different culture, something different, and uh, learn French and uh, enjoy mm. her football. But I'm sure we'll see her back at some point. We shouldn't ignore the impact on the women's game in Scotland. This is their first ever World Cup. They played at Hamden as well for the first time in, in seven years, just before the tournament, and that was in front of a record crowd against Jamaica. Yeah, I mean, obviously that's a great boost for them, and um, and I think that's the fact that you know they've made that step and got into a major World Cup and obviously off the back of last two years ago in the Euros too and having that kind of exposure um, certainly when I was playing and we always felt for England when we were playing in these major tournaments it was an opportunity to showcase our game and it's very much that for the Scottish and having been in again at the stadium on uh, at the weekend seeing the passion and from their fans I think they were a little bit louder than our English fans to be fair to them so um, I can only imagine what that 18,000 in that in that, for that last game against Jamaica must have given them a great boost going into the tournament but I think they're very much similar to our, how our game grew about five to ten maybe years ago when we were just starting to regularly qualify for major tournaments and so the fact that they're getting those kind of figures already and the support shows that you know just generally the women's game all round is, is improving and getting more following and, and getting kind of the attention of people. If you believe the bookies, that's if you like to uh, have a little bet every now and again, and the world rankings, of course, England have the potential to reach the semi-finals. Kelly, what impact could that have on, on the watching public and even on the WSL going forward? 
Well, it's great profile and promotion for the whole of the women's game, and it will, uh, you know, inspire and support all of the game, whether that's girls wanting to play football and maybe seeing uh, top-level women's football for the first time and wanting to get out there and um, put their boots on and try, or it's people that will want to follow the women's game after the World Cup is over and follow the Lionesses back in their club. So it's a, it's a tremendous boost. And obviously, the further we can go in the tournament, you know, the more profile, the more coverage, the bigger audiences we're going to get that um, can only be great for the women's game. And Faye, I've got to speak to you a little bit about your own career of course having led England a World Cup tournaments four major tournaments I should say how much do you feel when you were captaining England was there that weight of expectation going into tournaments um, I think it was probably from ourselves if anything because really? we knew we wanted to raise the game and raise the standards and we knew that every young girl should have a right to play football because um, it felt when I was growing up that wasn't necessarily the case but it's very different now so we knew we were role models and you know when games were shown on the telly we were able to inspire the next generation and so I don't think we felt it from the media perspective but certainly from ourselves we knew that every time we played a major tournament it was like I said earlier our, our chance to really showcase it and we had to keep demanding more of ourselves and having to um, improve our own abilities and standards but at a time when we were kind of juggling full-time jobs or part-time jobs or some of the girls were you know at university and, and studying and as well so it was a very different setup but we knew that we couldn't use that as an excuse and if I mean when you put on an England shirt I can't tell you the, the, the feeling and the pride and so I just kept thinking to myself every day am I doing what is you know everything I can to make sure that I'm giving myself the best opportunity to be the best player I can be for my country and that's kind of the mentality that these girls have when they're playing we don't go out there thinking we're given a right to just because we're good that we you know should have everything laid on a plate for us it's it's a very different mentality of you know we're trying to make sure that we do everything possible to showcase and grow the game and I think that was the bigger thing it wasn't necessarily the results it was the the responsibility of just knowing our performances could provide young girls more opportunities the better we did the better that money or investment or sponsors or hopefully sponsors in the future would get on board, which is now happening, obviously, with Kelly and the FA's brilliant work that they're doing. So that was more the kind of expectation and the, the, the feeling that we had, really. Yeah. It was that chance to really showcase it and inspire those young girls to, to have what we didn't have in a way so and have that opportunity. That's a huge weight of expectation or a huge weight on your shoulders to have when as you already pointed out a lot of your team members weren't full-time professionals it wasn't really a thing was it to have full-time professional women footballers so it's it's incredible that you know you were able to go out into these tournaments and deal with that expectation knowing that you were role models that's I think an incredible thing to have to deal with. Yeah, but I even say now I'm I'm very fortunate at my club. Um, I won uh, so many trophies with Arsenal, and also putting on that England shirt, wearing that captain's armband, like one of the most proudest you know things you can feel. But equally, I do say my my most proudest role really was being a role model, was being that person or being that having that opportunity to do lots of media interviews or, you know, to try and get it out into more houses or change someone's opinion so that they might go, actually, I'm going to let my daughter play or something. That, for me, was the, a bigger reward, really. Yes, it's nice to have all the medals in, mm -hmm. but it certainly was why a lot of my generation and even now the players now, even today, yes, they're earning a bit more, but I, you do still get the sense that they're doing it for that because you can come to a WSL game 
and your your daughter or son or you can get up close to the players and and they stay even on uh, Sunday when after the game a lot of them went to the barriers and were chatting to the fans and you know giving their time um, as well to them and that happens week in week out at the WSL so it's a great opportunity um, for fans to really get close and be inspired by you know a hit their hero or their that player that plays on the team they're supporting so obviously we don't get that in the men's game and we hope as the women's games grows that that can still be a unique part of our women's game. Kelly, as as you already sort of mentioned at the start, one of your major goals when you were appointed as the FA director was to secure sponsorship for the Super League. You have done that, as you say, but why was that so significant? Why was that so important for you? I think uh, a number of reasons. I think um, we needed uh, a partner to invest uh, money into the Super League. Obviously we want it to be commercially sustainable. I think it's been well documented that um, you know it's heavily reliant currently on men's football club money and with that comes risks uh, in terms of you know changing ownership um, in a men's club might change the amount of investment that they're putting into women's football. We've seen, seen that happen. We want to get to a point where uh, down the road where women's football and create enough of its own revenue so that it can be self-sustainable. I think it's really important then a team that does come up on the pitch can come up because there's enough cash in the game to, to deliver professional women's football. So I think, you know, and this is the start, I suppose, of that journey. Um, so Barclays investment is obviously really important. But I think even more important is, is their reach um, and their ability to help us to get more people... Uh, aware of the Women's Super League, of watching on television, of a- attending matches, because it's only really through growing the audience and growing the fan base that we're going to help make it commercially sustainable um, in its own right. So I think those things are, are really, really important. And also because Barclays has been such a strong partner in men's football, I think people have thought, wow, you know, this is a really credible brand who's done so much in the men's game and now they you know, can come over and really help transform the women's game. They're not just investing in the Women's Super League, they're investing in the next generation of girls as well. So they're investing in our, our ambition to have girls' football in every school in the country, starting with 6,000 schools this year. And that's hugely important for future fans, future players, future coaches. A really, really important step forward for us. Faye, you, of course, were one of the first players in women's football to be given a central contract by the FA. Now we are seeing whole teams and leagues turning professional. For you, when you've got that contract, did you feel like it was a pipe dream that this was ever going to happen, that we were going to see this WSL in the format that it's at now? Um, I think at the time, yeah, it was just really relief, really, to be able to have that support, to be able to, you know, not have to work so hard and be able to drop down to part time then, really, in a role to then be able to dedicate yourself more time to training and recovering and traveling and and what have you so again yeah mostly through my career I get often asked did you think you could be a professional and it was no really it was because there wasn't that we it wasn't there already formed so it was almost like we knew we were in that situation to try and make it happen um by our performances and by um when we had this opportunity to making the most out of it but it was a big support then and I'm sure it is continues to be now just to allow 
the England players that time, like I say, to because often you were compared always against, well, how would you compare against the men's player? And you're like, well, we can't because we train two or three times a week. Mm. Yes, we're playing for England, but with our clubs, we're actually only touching a football, you know, two or three times a week. So obviously you're trying to improve your skill level and raise the standards of the game. But ultimately, until you've got a ball at your feet every day and also as a collective, as a group of the teams as well, being able to do that. Um, obviously that's what now we are doing with the with the league so um, yeah it was a massive help and it has only grown and so it was a really great time to be involved and know that we had that that kind of support um, and to try and make the best of it but I think it was certainly the start wasn't it and obviously a lot of work had to be done to allow allow those contracts to to come in and finance and um, you know belief in where the the FA were going to take the game so it was a really positive step um, but one that you know allowed players, like I say, to just reduce the work a little mm-hmm. bit and and focus more um, and training more. I mean, we were. I think our generation was very much the generation which almost didn't have other careers. It was we were thinking about football as our career without really knowing that there might be a full time salary really at the end of it. But um, you know, it was a, a chance to make a real big difference, I suppose, in from a player's perspective to know that we were having that opportunity now and trying to make the best of it. And what is quite incredible was that, what, for 50 years in the 20th century, the women's football was banned by the FA, Kelly. Apparently, they felt threatened by the growing popularity. (laughs) Yes, well, um, it's good to know it's moved on significantly (laughs) since then. Yeah, yeah. So, um, obviously, a lot of hard work going on now to, to develop the whole pathway, you know, from the investment in the England teams and... Faye's just talked about, you know, the central contracts and the move to uh, ensure that the England teams, you know, have everything that they need from world-class facilities at St George's Park, the youth pathway, and what was the girls' centres of excellence now, you know, the regional talent clubs and the academies so that the best young girls get high-quality coaching and support right through, you know, professional women's league and, you know, our ambition to for every girl who wants to play football to be able to play, whether that's in schools, uh, in our Wildcats um, centres or, or in teams across the country, which is growing. So terrible dark days, but obviously, you know, hugely, hugely uh, moved on now for a whole kind of pathway and opportunity. Uh, you mentioned there the, the SSE Wildcats yeah. centres that are around the UK. If people aren't aware of what they are, what are they and what do they do? How do they benefit girls? Mm. So they are programmes especially designed for 5 to 11-year-old girls. It's really sort of a high-quality, fun introduction to football so girls can come along, make friends, have fun, learn new skills, play lots of games. If they want to then go and progress into a more competitive girls' team, great, or if they all just want to stay and have fun um, in the Wildcats Centre, then you know they can do that for, for most weeks of the year. And we've got uh, nearly 1,300 centres now across the country, and the demand is huge. And I go down and watch my local centre uh, on a Saturday in Brighton and the girls are just having a fantastic time they absolutely love it and it's you know it's perfect I think for girls that want to get those early that early introduction and, and learn the skills and have fun mm. I mean I guess Faye that would be something you'd have loved when you were younger but what was available for you when you were young wanting to have a little kick about yeah certainly I think it's perfect now because young girls are within their peer groups playing um, like say when I started it was very much having the confidence to join in with boys and um, not being intimidated by that so um, I think if that carried on there's only a few girls that would maybe have the perseverance or resilience to maybe do that whereas now 
you know these centres are, are, are given that opportunity to feel welcomed in a safe environment um, you know where they can go and make friendships as well as you know have a love and passion for playing a, a sport and football um, I actually spoke to one of the coaches that was at the FA Cup final recently and she was saying that um, I think she was down from southeast that kind of area again and I know that's quite a hotbed for, for young girls and women's football because that's where I started around Horsham and close to Brighton used to have rivalries with Brighton quite a lot so <laughs> she was saying that she's oversubscribed and there's more girls coming through the door week in week out and like for me I said thank you to her I just said thank you for because she again is a, probably a volunteer she was volunteering a lot of her time and when you become a coach it kind of consumes your, your life doesn't it when it's your daughter in the team or what have you and it was just saying you you, the fact that you're giving that opportunity to young girls and giving them that start that might ignite them to maybe just stay at that level and play week in week out for love and fun Mm. um or because of friendships or what have you or maybe that next captain or next top striker uh, it might get then in the pathway which kelly is talking about and then going into a local club or then getting scouted or going through the youth setup and you know that was my journey and it was by a chance fact that I chanced meeting with a, a coach that happened to coach a team called Horsham Ladies because I went along to a session again mostly boys but I just thought well I, I love it I'm just going to do it anyway and not every young girl will have that resilience so or that not worrying about feeling a bit different or having to mix it in with the boys really but so these these centres are perfect if there is a young girl out there or a dad or mum that thinks, oh, she seems to like watching it on telly or, you know, their daughter, then get them along to their local session. They can be easily found on the, the FA website. And so it's, um, you know, in a perfect environment just to kind of get young girls involved in that, like say, that safe and welcoming environment, which young girls have, you know, slightly different confidence levels and self-esteem and, and levels and it's just about feeling included and feeling involved with their peers I suppose and playing and now the days they've got the kits as well you know the fact that England kits specifically tailored and slightly different so it's unique to the females um recently for this World Cup the girls are playing in that now and they're selling off you know the shelves quickly and it's it's just great to to know that young girls have that opportunity. And what else is offered to young girls beyond just the opportunity to play football within, I don't know if it's the Wildcats or within the FA system? Obviously, at an early age, uh, the focus is on giving girls sort of the skills and the fun introduction. But through our schools programmes, there's a focus um, in secondary schools around helping use football to develop leadership skills. You know, the Lionesses have got, we talked about it earlier, got some fantastic attributes, you know, their resilience. They've had some, you know, they've had to fight to get where they are. And, um, you know, they're, they're really sort of a values-driven team. They're, you know, a wonderful bunch of women who who care passionately about the game and about inspiring young girls to play. They've got some great values and we try to sort of embed that in our in our programmes and, and help g- give girls confidence and resilience and those kind of lioness values, but also leadership. So there's a big focus on leadership and there's great opportunities. Increasingly, we see more and more women and young girls come into refereeing uh, and into coaching and into to roles outside of playing, even if they don't want to play. So there's lots of opportunities as well as obviously getting behind following England and, and your Women's Super League and Championship clubs uh, across the country. So, so lots of opportunities. Yeah, yeah and one of those programmes is the Game of Our Own programme, which um, a lot of us older, former players, have um, been going on uh, along to some of the camps and helping with the leadership skills. And 
and that Kelly's talking about but it's basically a program where they're not only picking girls that want to play but girls that might have an interest in something like the marketing or promotion or social media or something and mm. but also have an interest they might not want to play necessarily but they're like watching it or they like being around it and being that social Involved element in some way yeah, yeah so they it's a great program where they're allowing the ones that do want to play giving them tools to be coaches or set up sessions themselves and know how to actually run different sessions that might give the the players different outcomes so not just a football match all the time but and then the other half of the girls where they actually um, are given ideas about how to market the actual session so these girls go back into their schools secondary schools and actually set the sessions up themselves so they're being the leaders they're being instigators so rather than it's just the teacher or mm-hmm. saying get involved in sport and what better way from young a program that has young girls trying to inspire other young girls to be active and like like you say the way girls tend to work is that if your friends are doing it and it's positive and you want to be involved then you're more likely to do it if your friends and if they're someone your own age is encouraging you so it really is a another great example of some of the great programs that are going on yeah that, that, that does sound very good, actually. <laughs> I could have done with that when I was young, yeah. I think. Um, but where do you think the, the WSL and women's football will be in, what, five years' time, Kelly? It will, I think, have uh, bigger attendances. You know, our vision over the next five years is, you know, that we fill the stadiums that the women's teams are playing in, that, you know, we're regularly getting, you know, three, 4,000-plus coming to the games, um, make it a great atmosphere. You'll regularly see it on television, um, we'll be producing a world-class pipeline of young players coming through, playing alongside, you know, internationally the best players. Um, there's no reason why the Women's Super League can't grow in, in every aspect in terms of its attendance, its audience, and be an inspiration to girls that want to play. What I loved it when we launched the Women's Professional League was um, we put a video out there and it was it was young girls and they were it was all like linked to their careers and what they wanted to do and they were looking up going I want to be a professional footballer when I grow up you know what a fantastic aspiration now for girls to be able to look at the women's super league and think yeah I can be a professional footballer I can have a career in football yeah it's a reality now Mm. which is fantastic to to hear and know that that is an opportunity for girls now many thanks to our guests today Faye White and Kelly Simmons remember you can subscribe to the Times and the Sunday Times to enjoy award-winning journalism online and on your smartphone or tablet it is just a pound a week for an eight-week trial search the Times subscription for more information the game is brought to you by the Times for more information and more podcasts from the Times, head to thetimes.co.uk.